0: Jesus' prayer for his disciples to be one speaks to the very heart of our often divided, polemical, and fractious world and to the heart of our divisions as Christian communities and even to our own divided hearts. What we share in common is so much more important in God's universe. Richard Helmer delivered this sermon on Sunday, May 20th at Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. In the name of Christ, who asks that we may be one. Amen. Jerry Falwell, may his soul rest in peace, passed away this week. And probably many of you glimpsed a tiny portion of that final firestorm of publicity about him. It was sort of an epitaph writ large, wasn't it, all over the media across the country, if not around the world. And most, if not all of us, recognize his name. He was one of the first that sprang to mind the past few decades when anyone uttered the words, evangelical or fundamentalist in this country. He was one of several prominent faces given to a religious movement that immeasurably changed the nature of politics in our country, and of course around which a small constellation of all too familiar hot-button issues revolved. I grew up in Bible Belt country, In the heyday of Jerry Falwell and other evangelicals, the heyday of Reaganomics, the rise of the religious right, and the self-described moral majority, that sort of great religious political powerhouse that shaped in so many ways the latter decades of the 20th century. Even while I was in high school, I remember the rifts that would form amongst friends in casual conversation over the issues of the day, whether they were abortion laws or creationism or evolution or human sexuality. And, of course, some of these issues have sort of stuck to me like Velcro. I grew up with them. Sometimes Velcro isn't the right analogy. It's more like gum to the bottom of your shoe because they shaped the woof and warp of how I see the world. And they still hit my heart and mind in strange and unexpected ways. And to paraphrase a friend of mine, you know, you can take him out of the Midwest, but you can't take the Midwest out of him. Hot buttons run deep, don't they? They cause people to open their wallets and to leave or enter churches They cause them to run in droves to the polls during election years. They strain friendships and they uncover fault lines in otherwise loving communities and families and relationships. But you know what? Over the past 30 years, rightly or wrongly or indifferently, we have done what human beings have always done. We have cast lines in the sand. We have scapegoated one another We have made others, if not ourselves, into two-dimensional caricatures. We have set up the straw people to knock down so that we can feel good about our own personal or communal forms of Christianity. And we've done it as evangelicals and as progressives, as conservatives, as activists, as hardliners, liberals, Episcopalians, Methodists, Baptists, Catholics. Well, I needn't go on. You all know the labels that have been so well worn, and most of us have at least tried them on at one time or another for good and for ill. I was caught up this past Friday in an ironic moment as I was witnessing commencement at the Church Divinity School of the Pacific over in Berkeley. Coming to the platform for an honorary doctorate was a good friend of mine, Fred Vergara, who now leads the ethnic ministries desks at our national church headquarters and travels all across the country and around the world. Also receiving an honorary doctorate was our previous presiding bishop, Frank Griswold, and he had lived for nine years at the center of the present storm that we call the Anglican Communion and also coming to the platform for a master's degree, was a student from the Church of Nigeria, one of the churches now on the brink of schism with the Episcopal Church. The irony was a divine one. In all its wonder, here we were all together, sharing together one bread and one cup. On the way over, I had been listening to the radio, And of course, like most good Episcopalians who wear or get tarred with the tattered label liberal or progressive, my dial was turned to NPR. And on KQED was an interview and a discussion with some younger self-described evangelicals, talking, of course, about the departure of Jerry Falwell and what that means to the future of the evangelical movement in this country. And they were not exactly your regular group of talking heads on forum in San Francisco. They were talking of moving the political arm of the evangelical movement away from single hot-button issues or litmus test platforms and towards effective cooperative relationships. Relationships that transcend the partisan and religious boundaries that are now, of course, so terribly scarred and littered with bodies. They were talking of beginning working with other churches and Christians of folk of various spiritualities and faith traditions and even with those with no declared faith at all so that we could tackle together the major moral issues of our day. And to my surprise, they talked about things like poverty, the health and well-being of our children, of immigration, of looming environmental issues. I was shocked. I thought, gee, if these are evangelicals, then maybe I should call myself one. How about you? But then I also remember when I used to curl up my toes at the E word and smugly dismiss a good portion of the Christians in the country for peddling things that seemed simply awful to me. The most blood-boiling words of talking heads on Christian talk television and radio would eclipse even the diversity within the evangelical movement itself. Names like Jim Wallace and even historical folk so many of us love, like Martin Luther King, seemed lost in the seething marriage of politics and the peculiar brand of late 20th century American Christianity. But as I was discovering again on Friday, the world is so much more complicated than the labels we wear or that we place on others, isn't it? The hope is that something wonderful is breaking right now in Christianity. Perhaps it always has been, and so many of us forgot to look for it over the past few decades. And it is not that our disagreements are coming to an end, but it is that perhaps the partisan warfare is starting to wind down in many quarters. And even the rhetoric of our late great schism in the Anglican Communion is even starting to ring a little bit hollow to me, to sound a bit dated. You know, it's starting to feel like one of those old church fights where many people can't remember why the fight began. And they can't quite even articulate why it should continue either. And it is to that that we hear the good news of our readings today. Jesus is risen and ascended that our old and war-torn and ragged labels, the ones that divide us as Christians, as people as citizens, as human beings, as creatures of God, that all of those labels cease to have power over us. And as we turn to Jesus' great prayer in today's gospel, we hear of Christ's desire that we might all be one. Followers of Christ first before we are defined and risk being consumed by our partisan political and religious identities. But you know, Jesus' great prayer that we all may be one is not just Christian pie-in-the-sky wishes. It's a prayer about how things truly are, of how the universe in all of its fecund diversity is one, of how all things are interrelated from the farthest star to the wood of your pew to the blood coursing through our veins, of how we are all one, made of the same stuff, breathing the same air, drinking out of the same wellspring of life, living on the same earth, returning together to the dust, and born together on the wings of God's abundant love, even for all eternity. We are bound together by the great moral challenges we face as communities of God's people. We're bound together by the environmental threats that we share. We're bound together by the rampant poverty and hunger in so many parts of the world. We're bound together by that gnawing sense that our comfort is at someone else's expense. We're bound together by the plight of the immigrant family in San Rafael, or the fights over housing in Mill Valley. We are bound. We are one. The true evils that divide the world today, us one from the other, and the same evils that divide our hearts and pit us sometimes even against our true selves, our true selves made in the image of God Those evils rest not in breaking the oneness that is, but instead they rest in that they deny that simple truth that we are one. And they are everywhere, from the hard words we utter to and against one another, to the cold messages we send ourselves inside that divide our hearts from our minds, our spirit from our bodies, our actions from our conscience and our best and most courageous acts from our faith. And Jesus prays for an end to all of that, a ceasing of the hostilities that threaten our life, both physically and spiritually. Jesus calls for reconciliation with the paradoxes he found in proposing an alternative kind of community, an alternative to the power brokers of the world that seek to alienate and destroy the creatures of God, those powers and power brokers that are often themselves only self-consuming. Jesus' community was about bringing together enemies as friends, bringing together outcasts and sinners, bringing together the hopeless and the wayward, the rich, and the poor. In bringing this into the 21st century language of our day, we are all, Jesus tells us, no matter what label we wear most days, we are all evangelical and progressive. We are all unsure and conservative, liberal and moderate. Male, female, gay, straight, black, white, immigrant, native, postmodern, or simply post everything. We are part of the latest chapter in the long history of this community that Jesus founded, this community that is one. Not a community of uniformity, but a community of unique people brought together into wholeness with other unique people of God made of the same stuff as one another made in similar yet distinct ways belonging to each other belonging to the world that we seek to transform belonging to God to whom all things belong Jesus with his prayer today knocks on the doors of each of our hearts. The doors we have as individuals and the doors that we share. Jesus knocks seeking entrance, seeking opening, seeking a way into the places that are divided and broken. Christ bridges the rifts of our souls and relationships with a body broken for us and a body resurrected and ascended but ascended only into the great gaps of time and space where we feel heartache and loneliness so that we may know that Christ is with us everywhere. Christ is one, one with us, one with God, that we all may be one. And that is good news for all of us. Episcopalian, evangelical, agnostic, unsure, uncertain. It is Christian, not for ourselves as much as for a world seeking to uncover the truth of its own wholeness, the truth that we are one. And in that truth, living and dynamic, eternal and present to our heart of hearts, to heal, transform, breathe, and be truly free. Amen.